Hello and welcome to the Soil Health Hub podcast. In each episode, we invite key industry experts and farmers to explore and debate challenges, opportunities and innovations around soil health and its implications on farming. In this episode, we're discussing the role of microbe communities in soil, how microbes can be profiled to better understand what is happening on the ground, how to nurture and retain microbes and how they impact plant growth. We're also going to talk about carbon storage in the soil and the main factors to encourage healthy soil. Our guest is Adrian Ferrero, CEO at Biomi Makers. Biomi Makers was founded in Silicon Valley in 2015 and it's a global agtech company providing microbiome insights to empower smart agriculture. The company has developed a patented technology integrating DNA sequencing and ecological computing technologies using one of the more complex biomarkers, the soil microbiome. Today, Biomi makers have two headquarters, one in the US and one in Spain, 700 farmers, 60 ag input manufacturers and 100 research institutions and labs in more than 35 countries benefiting from Biomi Makers analytical tools. Tune in to hear the soil health discussion between Rob and Adrian. Adrian, welcome to the Soil Health Hub. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. This is a really exciting moment because you're looking at microbial DNA. Now that it's pretty scary to um, an ex-farmer like myself because I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. I do know that microbes are a good thing for our soil now, and everybody's talking about this in soil health. But can you just help us for a moment understand a little bit better about what you guys do? Hi, Rob. Pleasure to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, biomakers, in essence, what we do, we identify the microbes, the whole community of microbes, and we use their DNA to recognize them, to profile the whole spectrum of bacteria and fungal species. And we need to profile them in order to better understand what is happening underground, what is happening in the soil, because we have been looking at the soil always as the place where we throw or we plant a seed, and then uh, there is some natural magic happening that uh, makes the plant grow. But the reality is that there are so many biological processes happening in the soil, and we haven't been able to measure, well, first to identify it, and second to measure them properly. And that's what we have been doing for the last six years, developing a technology to really profile the soil functionalities. So you've been working on this for six years. Tell me, you were one of the founders, I understand, Adrian. Who are the team? Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Alberto Acedo, my co-founder, and myself traveled from Spain to California in 2015. Uh, we joined the Illumina Accelerator program. We were the first non-American company selected by this corporate accelerator uh, program. And uh, that was the moment we started to develop the technology. And uh, what it has been an amazing journey is to really talk to farmers all across the world or in different crops, trying to understand how this technology could provide value to them. Well, that's a great place to go next then, isn't it? Because how do you provide value to farmers? Let me just give you an example. Imagine your body. So when you go to the doctor, there is some tests, some check that you do, physical or chemical tests by making a blood test, for instance. But there is some metabolical tests, like, for instance, what is your heart rate? If you are lactose tolerant or you are diabetic or any other metabolical process. So what we do is we measure all the metabolical processes 
in the soil that are going to impact plant growth. And that's how we deliver value to the farmers. So I've got some questions about that. So did a little bit of homework to try and sort of get to grips with this because there is a lot of people talking about soil health. In some ways, it's, it's attracting some less convincing uh, technologies, let's put it that way, of how they can actually help farmers become more productive and use, use less carbon. One of the questions I have is when, you, when you're taking a soil sample to get your results, how do you know when it's a, re, a significant enough sample? Bear in mind the vast complexity of microbes in the soil. How do you know when you've got that a re, a representative sample? The earth is full of microbes. There are microbes everywhere. So because there are microbes ev- everywhere, it's very easy to get a representative sample that is going to give us enough information. The first steps we did when we started developing the technology, this technology was to really understand how to sample. And there are many scientific publications already making experiments on, on this. The reality is that if we do a sampling process that is able to collect representative population of the soil microbiome, which is the community of microbes, then we have a sample that is representative for a specific area, a block, a parcel. So we don't want to take soil from the surface because that's very volatile. And we don't want to go too deep because that's very stable. We want to sample, to look at the community of microbes that is really providing meaningful information on everything happening in the soil. So that's uh, the community that is somehow between three and five inches, so five to 15 centimeters deep. Okay, that's the reservoir of microbes that are going to play a crucial role in the soil health. And you're right, soil health is kind of trending topic. No, everybody's trying to define what is soil health. But at the end of the day, for us, there are two main factors or elements that have to be there to have a healthy soil. First is biodiversity. So we have to have a proper biodiversity in the soil. And the second is functionality. You have to have a community, an ecosystem, in this case of microbes, that really play and work in in harmony all together. So they are able to deliver different functionalities, different bioactivities in the soil. And by measuring these relationships and decoding the ecological relationships of this community, that's how we get uh, to understand and to measure soil health. That's the basics on, on our assumption on soil health. Thank you. So I understand you're selling your testing system to over 38 countries around the world. You must be now starting to get some really good data around different soil types, different pH, different moisture, different all the different uh, compaction, all these different things that farmers will understand. pH, compaction, moisture, these are soil types. These are things that that they understand that it's part of their everyday life is to is to live around that. They know what that is pretty quickly. In your experience, with all the thousands now of data sets you're taking, what are the key things are the best way to mess up our biologicals in the soil? And what are the key things to make it the best it can be? As we move forward and accumulate more and more data on different soil profiles, we have a better understanding what are the dynamics uh, in the soil. Well, while our main main market is US and we also have a lot of activities in Europe and then other countries, but mainly those are the main areas where we receive samples, there is a unique signature crop by crop. What is impacting soil bioactivity is first, which crop you have. Second, what are the chemical conditions, pH first, and then temperature. Those are like the three main drivers that are going to impact soil microbiome. 
It's very interesting, the current farming practices. Uh, we are looking at amazing new solutions, bioactive solutions, biologicals that have very good promises on what is going to be the impact of these products in the soil. But the reality is that we know a little on, let's say, holistic impact of these solutions, how these solutions mm. are impacting at the different perspectives, because they might be very good on preventing some disease, but they might be not as good on favoring certain communities of microbes that are going to stimulate the plant for, for good. No? So understanding how these solutions are impacting the soil from a multi, multi-dimensional point of view, this is going to give a lot of value to, to farmers and also at the end of, of the season the crops. And give me an example of an insight that you've provided. Bear in mind those, those, those key parameters you just said. What did you learn about the biological analysis that then made people think differently about what to do? Yeah, for instance, it was very interesting. And this is just one of many examples that we have seen uh, working with different farmers in different crops and different also input manufacturers testing their products and uh, looking at what is their the impact of their solution. For instance, we were looking at one farmer that was uh, doing fertilization in their farm and they were very proud of these practices because they were saving water and they were being very accurate on how to spray now the nutrients to the plants because they were very specific. But when we did the biological analysis on the soil, what we realized is that there was a block on the phosphorus and potassium mobilization, while the nitrate mobilization was very high, not because of these specific practices. As a result, the farm has a lot of green, so it, the plants were very green, but the fruit quality was not very good because the plant was lagging on these essential nutrients for to really provide the quality on the on the fruit. What the farmer did was to change the practices and start adding biological, in this case, humic acid to unblock phosphorus and potassium pathway. So to make that community of microbes really work. Next season, the problem was solved. So this this is the kind of solutions we are providing. And what did that do to the biologicals? What was the impact on that? Well, the impact the next season was the phosphorus and potassium pathway were uh, unblocked. So plant received, so microbes starting to mobilize those macronutrients towards the plant and the fruit quality uh, suddenly started to increase. So what you're saying is that that, that, the, that treatment then turned on biologicals that could then deliver in the rhizosphere to, to then feed the plant the, the better balanced nutrition it needed for the fruit crop. Is that right? That's right. So yeah. when we are able to see these new uh, analytics, so all the biological parameters related to biological activity in the soil, then we realize what is happening beyond the obvious or beyond what we already know. Because now is the time to really start looking at farming from a different perspective, connecting to natural processes, because those are going to favor. In a world where progressively we have more and more limitations on the use of certain solutions, for instance, agrochemicals, we have to be creative and look for new ways to get the same yields or keep increasing the yield while using or lowering the expenses. Looking at these biological processes is one of them, and we can provide the analytics. And of course, um, that switch, previous podcasts, we've talked about the free biological army that is on your side to help you as a farmer, um, which of course is a, like any army, they need feeding. But at the same time, if you, keep, if you look after them, they'll hang around. So unlike some 
conventional treatments, fungicides, conventional fertilizers, these biologicals are out, will keep growing and keep improving. So there is a, a higher cost potentially early on, but that should tail off as the biologicals keep growing. And are you seeing that then? Are you seeing this increasing growth in the biodiversity, meaning less and less agricultural inputs to achieve the same or if not better productivity? That's that's absolutely right. And there is a one comment that we should start skipping talking about good or bad microbes. They're not good or bad microbes. There is there are microbes, a community of microbes, a network of microbes. And this network tend to be in balance. So they balance each other unless we start interacting with them and create imbalances. Then is when we start having some increase on the, for instance, disease risk or other things. And this is the reason because we mainly tell our clients that looking at the soil biology from the taxonomic point of view, so which specific species you have in the soil is not the right approach. Honestly talking, farmers shouldn't care much about which specific microbes they have in the soil. They should be caring about how those microbes are working as a community, as a network, as a connected network. And this is what is uh, very interesting because when you start uh, having this approach, then uh, thinking about the solutions on how to get to better yields or how to solve certain problems that you're having, it's much easier. That's what we're seeing with many farmers we start working with at the beginning. It's like, okay, this is a new dimension. Okay, we need to learn. We need to educate. The good thing is that we already have so many examples in the background. So we can, and people is happy to share their experience because all together, we can't really do better. Other real farming thinking here. When there is a drought or there's there's a prolonged period of no rain on an arable crop, conventional crop, heading towards where the crop is starting to feel the pain, what are the microbes doing at that point? Well, they are adapting no, to the new situation and that might impact the crops for sure. The most interesting thing is that we are looking at certain countries as in Northern Africa or certain countries in Latin America where they are used to grow plants under desertic situations or conditions and they are doing quite well. So understanding how those communities or the soil is adapting to those drought conditions, this is going to help other areas as California or the Southern Europe to adapt their agriculture to these new drought conditions and be less water uh, demanding. Well, microbes always adapt themselves, but uh, their adaptability is not necessarily linked to a higher productivity. So we, we should drive that in the direction that we wish by maintaining the, the links, the nodes in this community or reinforces the nodes because that's going to increase the resilience of the soil and any change is going to impact lower quantity than other situations. I mean, in a very open or glib way, soil health equals better drought resilience. I always thought that was more to do with the higher organic matter. I presume, therefore, it's the biologicals and the higher organic matter that combine to make less vulnerable to water shortages or droughts. Is that true? Yeah, organic matter yeah. is always a key part on the soil health because... Well, and now that many people is talking about carbon sequestration, the content of organic matter in the soil is going to be crucial also on the amount of carbon that the soil is able to sequester. If you have less organic matter and high bioactivity, then yeah. there is going to be more carbon sinking than in soils with a very high organic matter, because then the, the balance, the release and the capture of carbon is going to be neutral.
That's the elephant in the room, carbon sequestration. Maybe we can come back to that because I have another question that's the same thread as the, as the drought. Uh, but then, then I would like to talk about carbon sequestration, and that's a word I find difficult to say for some reason. But anyway, so what about the other way around? Um, when there's a flood, we used to call it, when I was farming, field capacity. The water, there was that the actual soil, it couldn't take any more water. The only other way for the water to go is to flood somewhere else. So it's at field capacity. That essentially is an anaerobic situation. What happens then to the microbes? Again, it changes <laughs> a lot because uh, if you have an anaerobic situation, there are certain groups of microbes that are going to grow and flourish in uh, easier than others and are going to start dominating the environment. If you are asking me what is happening from the crop point of view, well, there could be different impacts, no? but in a sense, yeah, when most of the anaerobic microbes are going to grow, there are going to be an impact on the nutrient mobilization mainly, and then uh, the stress uh, on the plants is going to be impact as well. So everything related to hormone production and so on. So a soil that's low in microbial activity versus one that's higher in a field capacity of water, i.e. about the flood, what would the plant be experiencing? What was happening chemically with the plant in the root zone? Well, uh, from the chemical point of view, I don't know. Honestly talking, uh, what what will happen? What we have seen uh, comparing the soil from, let's say, areas where rain is quite recurrent and areas where the rain is not as recurrent so the, the soil is saturated in water is that we see some differences on the biological patterns. The reality is climate change without too many other political conversations around that the bottom line is we, we are seeing extre- more extreme weather some people call it weather some people call it climate change but that's and so my my nudging question is does a higher level biological activity in the soil given either extreme weather of drought or extreme weather of, of excess water is that going to give my crop a better chance of surviving yes or no well, uh, microbes are going to survive. They have more chances to survive than humans in extreme conditions. That's the first thing. They will recover the balance if you let the nature just go in. No? That's what we have seen mainly in some areas because of the last year, the human pressure on environment has decreased. Yeah. No, we have been at home. And then you have, we've seen the nature taking over many places. So this is what is happening also in the soil. Under extreme conditions or uh, thinking about climate change and these uh, extreme changes that we are going to experience, especially on the field, what we are going to need is resistance. Res- you mentioned previously resilience. So if, if we have a soil community that is very, let me say, specialized, because we have been driving this community in a certain direction, according to the practices, that community is going to suffer more than another community that have closer links and can uh, mitigate any change that is happening in the field. So what might happen is that certain farmers are going to lose everything because of those changes and other farmers that have been already working on the soil health are going to experience lower losses. And there will be some, some farmers that probably are not going to experience as many losses or even an increase on the productivity. Yeah, probably uh, the initial yield that they were getting, it was already smaller. So that's mm. that's the thing. No? When we get a proper level, we balance, let's say, yield and soil health, then we have the perfect scenario because we have a resistant soil that is going to amortivate any change, any situation, that uh, any stress happening in the soil, and it's going to be productive. But of course, we have to see how we play with this healthiness, with this biology, this soil biology, 
to really get the yields that we need to be sure that we have enough food for the planet. And so are you seeing any differences in that with the different soil types? So a clay heavier soil versus a lighter soil? There are differences. And uh, what we're learning is to identify those differences by looking at the community of the microbes. Today, we are, let's say, guiding our system to learn under the different conditions. So today, we're asking our clients which kind of soil you have, which kind of conditions. They are even sharing physical chemical data on the soil. And we keep profiling soil microbiome. But the system is starting to identify the patterns and model the different interactions. Hopefully, not far in the time, we'll be able to, by looking at the soil, really know what is happening around. So what are the starting conditions? This is what we've seen, that uh, we can infer this, but we are not there yet. We need to keep working and well, contributing and helping farmers in the way we do. So let's get back to carbon. My rudimentary understanding of it all is that essentially the microbes are a crucial parts of carbon sequestration. I said it, finally got there. So the plant is in the rhizosphere looking to exchange nutrients for carbon, or it's a sugar, essentially, but it's then stored as carbon. When have you seen that work really well? I The carbon storage is really optimized. And when have you seen it go the other way? I actually be consumed. You did mention that earlier a little bit, but more detail on that, please. This is a very interesting topic and many people is asking us about it. First thing I have to say is that there is uh, many questions that still remain unsolved, uh, especially from the scientific point of view. So when we say a soil is sinking X tons of carbon, we're making this estimation based on different models. And uh, those are the models that currently agriculture is using to measure or to quantify the carbon credits. When it comes to the soil biology, and this is what we are specialized on, uh, we can measure what is the activity, the biological activity related to carbon. Let's say, well, the soil is very active on the carbon pathway. So there is a lot of movement and it might happen because there are already a lot of organic matter in the soil or it might be because the soil is really sequestering a lot of carbon. We have an initiative, a non-profit initiative to support projects around soil health. And we have like four or five different projects that are specifically focused in understanding what are the connections between soil biology and carbon sequestration. The goal is not to really quantify. The initial goal is to really understand if a soil is carbon neutral so it's really sinking soil or is releasing soil because uh, there are this double activity in the soil. On one hand, let's forget a little bit about the plant. We know what is happening in the plant. Let's just focus on what is happening in the soil. Okay. So when you have the soil, the, the soil is also capturing carbon. But at the same time, because of the biological processes happening in the soil, it's releasing carbon, right? So those soils where you have a lack of organic matter are going to be essentially a carbon suckers because the soil biology is going to demand this nutrient for their internal processes. While when you have a soil that is very rich in organic matter, what is going to happen is that there is going to be a release of carbon, but at the same time, it's going to be a sequestration of carbon. So, well, understanding the balances on the carbon pathway is like the first step to really determine how much carbon we are sinking in the soil. Overall, I would say usually we uh, sequestering carbon in the soil but not always we are going to have negative when i say negative means like you are taking 
carbon out of the atmosphere, not always is uh, negative. Sometimes it's positive and you release carbon depending on the practices, depending on the crop, depending on what is happening and the conditions. What we are trying to do is to understand how our technology can help to solve the unsolved questions here. Uh, meanwhile, the models that are available are very useful to really determine uh, the amount of carbon that is being sequestered. So do you get to get involved with measuring carbon or is that something else? Or are you, are you part of that process of measuring carbon? We're not measuring carbon. We are measuring biological activity uh, related mm. to the carbon. So that's what we are doing today. We are working in understanding how our technology can help to really provide more accurate data on the carbon sequestration. But this is work in progress. Uh, anybody stating yeah. that they can quantify this from the scientific point of view today, it's difficult. That's the problem. And we've highlighted this in, in previous podcasts about the carbon storage tail that wags the commercial dog of markets around carbon storage and how trying to oversimplify the way to measure let's say, organic matter, even from above, from bare ground. What do you think about that as a way to look at measuring carbon storage? Carbon sequestration is an amazing opportunity for farmers, for agriculture. It's a way to really receive returns on their activities beyond the crops, because the reality is that agriculture is very important to keep the balance on, on the carbon circulation. This is an excellent mechanism, but we still need to really be conservative on how we use this mechanism until we have the best tools or the right tools to really do it. Today, we have some tools available that give an estimation. So this is the first step. But uh, We hope that companies as biomakers and others keep working on technology development, find more accuracy on the data and gain credibility and trustability on this mechanism when it comes to, for instance, the commercialization of the carbon credits. And you mentioned earlier on um, three inches down to, I think, was it five inches or, or five centimeters down to 15 centimetres, forgive me for getting my imperial and uh, metric mixed up there, but thereabouts, that's the sort of perfect microbial activity zone. They almost have impact on carbon storage because if if we've got roots that go down metres, as they do with a lot of crops, are, are microbes down there, they're, they're down there too, aren't they? Aren't they interesting? Or, or is this just too complicated to measure? No, all of them are interesting. If you ask me, uh, I will wish to have data from all kinds of soils, all kinds of dips, and so on. But at the end of the day, we have to differentiate between what is interesting, what is useful, or what is enough. Okay, after all our experiments and talking to researchers and uh, all the papers that we have reviewed, we realized that if we want to help farmers to really use biological processes happening in the soil into their decision-making process, we have to simplify and determine which is the area that is going to provide as much information as possible. Okay, if you have another specific question or one specific question, then you might need to sample a different area. But if you want uh, answers to most of most frequent questions, then that's the area you have to be looking at because this area is going to give us information about the general biodiversity status, which means what is the biological quality of the soil. And this is a very interesting indication, very in interesting index. Then we have information about healthiness in terms of diseases. So what is the disease risk? And we are going to see diseases that are like ground diseases, but also aerial diseases, because when the plant has a very high disease risk, we are going to see it in the soil as well. 
Okay. And then uh, all the hormone and stress, the plant growth promoters, right? Biocontrol activity, which is also uh, essential to understand what is the plant protection rate. And then nutritional pathways. So what is the nutrient mobilization for macro and micronutrients? All of these uh, dimensions can be analyzed by looking at this community of microbes. If you want to know specifically what is happening in the rhizosphere, and again, depending on the crop, because yeah, if you're looking at arable crops, usually that area is rhizosphere area. But if you're looking at olives, for instance, olive trees, you want to go a little deeper. But still, in that area, you're going to find enough information on what is happening on the nutritional pathways, for instance, or disease risk. So it should be enough and affordable for any farmer. That was the basic on our development and determining that this community is the right one. Okay, so what, what we're saying is that we've got great information, but we want more, but we have to take it one step at a time. And let's have a brief touch, if we could, about um, biofertilizers and biostimulants, because there's hundreds of them out there now. You must be seeing some really interesting success stories and possibly failures on that. And what, what would you say is the, the outright winner here for improving biologicals within the soil? What's the really obvious thing farmers should be doing to, um, from a biostimulant perspective or biofertilizer? Because it seems that it seems to be one is a biofertilizer is more microbes put into the environment, seeding microbes, and biostimulant seems to be feeding microbes, as I understand it. And that's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so first thing I will say, and uh, without going to a specific case, most of the solutions, is, oh, we still don't know what is the specific impact. So be careful on how you use it and combine it. So don't think that there is one solution for everything, because usually the solutions are complex. Finding the right combination of solutions or to complement different solutions is going to help a lot. And the second thing is don't make a radical trans, uh, transition from, let's say, conventional farming to extreme biodynamic or the exclusive use of biologicals. Give the soil also time to accept, adapt, in this case, well, regenerate, no? like uh, stabilize, balance the, the biological processes happening. Otherwise, you do a radical change, which is also possible. You have to spend some time that the soil is, going, is not going to react as you expect or, or wish, but then it's going to happen. If you do it progressively, quick but progressively then it's going to be easier for all the microbes in, in the soil to really speed up and catch up on balance or health of the soil uh, a number of years ago i talked about soil health and gut health been interchanged and it's what you just described there is actually the same for all of us as human beings and how we eat what's in our gut and then how it protects and nurtures us or gives us even resilience and immunity, um, how the fact this is exactly the same for soil. And you, you the same thing with our gut, our diet. If you did a big change, you're going to make yourself ill. And I guess that's what you just said there, if that analogy or parallel works. But I've always felt that soil health is connected to gut health from a crop and eating perspective. But that's a whole other podcast, I think. I really like we, that example, and we use it a lot because... Uh, everybody understands that we need to eat because of the nutrients, but we also need to feed ourselves with microbes. And food is the way we inoculate ourselves with microbes. And we're mm. not aware of that, but it's essential that we daily get our doses of microbes. So, yeah, you're right. To extend this, we've been doing a lot of vitamin pill eating in farming by way of not food but vitamin pills and that's been 70 years of that uh, just a final remark here it's not bad to have a pill if you need it right but if you don't need you're not going to take pills uh, we always say 
if you have a cancer, you are going to go chemotherapy treatment. But if you have a flu, you are not going to take a chemotherapy. So adapt what you do according to what you need. That's the final message. If you need a supplement, use it. Because otherwise, uh, you are not going to be healthy. Your soil is pretty much the same. It's a living thing. So care for it, provide what the soil needs. But for that, you need uh, insight, you need the data. Adrian, do you, do you know that's the most balanced thing I've heard said about soil health for a very long time. So credit to you for not um, following the herd of this launch from old ways to new ways um, in a great big leap. I think that's extremely wise. You are trading, as I said already, 38 countries, which is incredible. You've been going for six years, you told me. So what's next for your business? Your fundraising, I understand. Yeah, so, well, it's been an incredible journey for us. Uh, we started uh, being Alberto and myself in San Francisco. Today, we are 45 people in the team. We have two well labs, one in West Sacramento, which is a headquarters as well. And we have another lab in, in Spain where we process all the European samples. We have now opened the door to license agreements. So we're opening our technology to third-party laboratories who wants to really acquire the technology in-house because for us, we're a startup, we're a data company. What we love is to really explore the mechanism behind the biology. Our system is now decoding the ecological relationships on, on the soil microbiome, and we are fascinating on what we are finding. We started doing a diagnosis on the soil, so unveiling all the biological processes in the soil. That was uh, the first product we launched, and this is the one we're currently commercializing the most. Two years ago, we launched another product, another solution to profile the impact of ag inputs. So to understand how the inputs are working, the agriculture solutions, uh, from this multidimensional point of view, is called GEOM. We have recently published and um, validate, developed the first prototype to make recommendation on biologicals, data-driven recommendation. Because if you have the soil health status on one hand, you know the impacts of the different solutions eventually, you can use a machine learning system to match them. So by doing a biological analytic of the soil, you can determine which is the right solution. So what is next is to really make the system to work and make it available for farmers. Let's say developing the first virtual assistant for agronomists. That's what we want to do by the end of 2022. So when we have a pool of samples and solutions already profiled in our system right now, we have done it just for potatoes and for two products. So, well, the party is on and we are having a lot of fun and we can just keep dancing a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, keep dancing because it's uh, it's exciting what you're doing. I can see how some people would think that listening to this, is not, you've actually created more questions as well as answers. So we've also got to bear that in mind. And one last final question. If there's one person, who would you like to thank on how you managed to get to where you are today? Wow, there is just one person. That's a difficult question. Now, there is one person who believed in Alberto and myself uh, from the beginning. This person is Mustafa Ronagi, the former CTO of Illumina. Uh, we were two unknown entrepreneurs in, in Spain. He gave us the opportunity to join the Illumina Accelerator. He trusts our vision and he trusts our skills to make this happen. So we're very thankful to Mustafa and the whole Illumina Accelerator team will not be here without that uh, support. So if I have to recognize somebody, uh, that will be Mustafa first. But of course, there are so many people who has helped us to get to this point. 
Well, it just shows, doesn't it? There's moments in time when you try and make that brave leap forward when you're really just starting out and somebody believes in you, how wonderful that is. We previously ran an accelerator and I totally get that, how spotting those little gems of an idea and trying to see how the idea and the people that are behind it are going to make it work. And obviously you, you had that backing. That's critical to this whole industry, developing the innovation pathways that we need to do. Congratulations on where you've got to. Here's to the next stage, and I look forward to hearing a lot more about it. Thank you very much today, Adrian, and good luck with your series B Rays. Wish you all the best. Well, and thank you also for giving us the chance to explain what we do, to share our vision on how agriculture is going to change and evolve for good. Keep doing it. This is amazing. It's a pleasure. Look, look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. Here's to a real life meeting one day. Hopefully. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Soil Health Hub podcast. If you'd like to learn more and join us, visit soilhealthhub.com. See you next time.